Gordon, let's continue to talk some college football. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Joining us now, he does sidelines for the USC broadcast. He's our good friend Jordan Moore. Jordan, how are you? I'm great, guys. How's it going over there? Hey, we are, we're doing terrific, of course. Uh, any week during college football is a good one. And uh, tell us about USC and what exactly they did to Stanford. They just thrashed them. <laughs> Yeah, it has been an eventful uh, start to the season, certainly for the Trojans. Uh, JT Daniels uh, felt like a crushing blow in the second quarter of the season opener. Uh, and then Keaton Slovis came in, a, a true freshman who uh, many were surprised was even able to sort of rise up the depth chart and, and get the backup spot. And he looked okay. They sort of seemed to protect him in the, in the first game, and so no one really knew what to expect going into Saturday. And then he went out there and just absolutely – uh, carved up Stanford, you know, a team that USC's really had problems with um, really over the last decade. Um, had some good wins, but um, we've never really seen them just dominate Stanford that way. And um, the Graham Harrell air raid offense, we sort of saw in full effect for the first time. And it was just impressive to see an, an 18-year-old running it and, and running it that efficiently in his first career start. So I watched all of that game, uh, Jordan, and I, I was really, really impressed with this kid. Is this the truth with him, or was he just on a vi- just uh, in rhythm and, and, and feeling it that night? Is this what he's been doing in practice? Yeah, I mean, I guess we will find out. Um, in a lot of ways, it is what he's been doing in practice. I mean, really, right from the spring when he showed up, he surprised a lot of people because you know, SC is a place that gets four or five-star quarterbacks and you know, guys that come in with big reputations. And so, you know, expectations are always high from the moment they get here. And, and he just wasn't that guy. I mean, really for the first time in a long time, they, he was just sort of an under-the-radar guy. He, he came uh, to their camp um, and lit it up, and Clay Helton really liked him. And, you know, so they were one of the only big schools to recruit him um, out of Arizona. And so, you know, they just, he just didn't have that hype around him that we've had with, with so many different you know, players, but in particular quarterbacks. But he's been really good in practice. I mean, you've, just, you've seen the arm talent in practice. And, and what really stood out was you'd hear the way Graham Harrell would talk about him, the offensive coordinator. It was, it was praise of the highest order. I mean, it was, you know, as good, as talented as any quarterback I've ever seen kind of quotes. And you're like, whoa, he's saying this about somebody that everyone thought would be fourth on the depth chart. And then you realize, okay, now he's second on the depth chart, and then now he's starting. And then, you know, after the game, Graham Harrell, Graham Harrell basically said, I told you so to, to the media um, because he has seen this in the kid from day one. Well, when he threw that 39-yard touchdown pass, he dropped that, yeah. and there were two Stanford uh, defenders back there. Yeah. And that was a thing of beauty. And, and just, <laughs> just, the, just the way he uh, – you know what? I think something that impressed me with him is the way he was just laying the ball out for those very talented receivers and allowing them to go get the ball uh, with confidence, uh, no hesitation yeah. at all, just fire it up there. That's the that's exactly what I said. You said no hesitation there. To me, what stood out was how decisive he was. And I think you know we're we're all sort of getting used to this offense, but it seems to me that that is the number one quality that you need for this offense because they want the ball out quickly. So it is make a decision, get the ball out. You know, they don't want you patting it back there. They don't want you overthinking it. They don't want you forcing big plays. Um, and so most of it, you know, was underneath, you know, 10 yards and under, and then get the ball in the hands of, of these guys who are so great after the catch. And then every now and then, 
you know, you get him sucked up and you go over the top like that, that pretty pass to Amon Ra that you're talking about. But, you know, this wide receiving core is so special. So it's if you can just get them, if you're good enough to just give them a chance, they'll make plays for you. And uh, that's certainly what they did on Saturday. Well, let's talk a little bit more about those receivers because I think special is, is exactly the word. But it seems to to me that at least three of these guys would be wide receiver number one pretty much on any other yeah. team in the country. Yeah, that's exactly. I, I had my coach's show with, with Clay Helton last night and brought this up to him, which was it, what's going to make this work, if it's going to work, is it, those guys are going to have to be selfless. And it's certainly not a position uh, known for selflessness, um, but that's what it's going to have to be because – you have a guy like Michael Pittman Jr., who's you know is a really a star player and a, and a senior. So you know he's, he's, he wants to impress for for the league and, and his career. He didn't have a catch in the first half. Well, then in the third quarter, he had I think six catches alone. So you know it's going to come like that for these guys. So Tyler Vaughn's has, has had two big games so far, but St. Brown was really quiet in the first game, and then he had a big first half in this one. But then after that big first half, he I think he only had one catch for two yards in the second half. So. It is the ball's going to be spread around. Um, they have talented freshman receivers that they're also using, and then you got running backs that need touches. So they have a lot of people on this offense. I mean, it really is a, a special group of, of skill guys, but no one's going to get the touches that they potentially could get at another place. So I think as long as they keep winning, that, that won't be a problem. Um, but but I think selflessness will be key to, to make this whole thing work. So, Jordan, Jake brought something up earlier that I thought was an interesting thing. What do defenses, obviously BYU and Utah, are going to play this team in consecutive weeks here? Yeah. Uh, what? How do you – is this guy uh, disruptible? Is he uh, – because of his youth, should teams blitz him, uh, put pressure on him, commit resources to do that – or because those receivers are so good, if if teams try that, will he just dump it off to those guys and they're off to the races? Yeah, I, I think I'm sure that he will see all different kinds of looks going forward here. I mean, what what I think makes this conference unique is for all the different styles that you see. And it, I, I just got the sense after the fact that it sounded like they, they had a really good idea of what Stanford was doing. Um, and they were a step ahead in that regard. But that may not be true when they play Utah next week. I, you know, I don't know a ton about BYU's um, you know, defense historically. Uh, they, they've struggled against the run this season, but they've also played you know, a tougher schedule than most, so it's, also, it's hard to tell trends through two games. Um, but, yeah, I, I think people will try to confuse him like you would any 18-year-old. Um, but he does have a little bit of that Sam Darnold in him. That's what everyone around here keeps sort of seeing and that's the ability to improvise as well and you saw him run around a little bit you know he, he's a pretty good athlete um and you know in terms of the actual offense the air raid the thing i keep going back to is sort of looking at how washington state's done against opponents in recent years and washington state has dominated stanford so you know washington has dominated washington state so I'll be curious to see if, if those kind of trends that have been coming out of Pullman and Mike Leach is, you know, obviously Graham Harrell is a disciple of Mike Leach. So, you know, will, the, will those hold for USC as well? Or is USC's skill talent so much better than maybe a Washington State that, that you can, you know, it, that it, it won't necessarily have the same patterns that, 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 we'll, that we'll even see from the Cougs? So it'll be interesting to see. This is all sort of a new experiment for us as well. Talking to USC football with Jordan Moore here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jordan, tell us a little bit about the defense, how they've looked, and how tough it'll be for the Cougars or the Utes, for that matter, to move the football. 
Uh, yeah, the defense is, I, I think, still, uh, you know, we're still figuring out. Um, uh, up front, I think we have a pretty good idea, uh, you know, led by a, a Utah native in, in J. Tufele. He's, he's, you know, USC's best defensive lineman, defensive tackle. has got NFL written all over him. Uh, he was excellent last week at a big fourth down stop. Um, so I think they're good up front. They have a really talented freshman named Drake Jackson who, who's really popped so far. The linebackers, uh, they have you know, a veteran in John Houston is, is you know, sort of a tackle machine, a little bit good athlete. And, and then a guy that we have really high expectations for but hasn't been uh, great through two games is Paul E.A. Nautioti. Uh, he's a Bishop Gorman guy, so in Vegas. So he's really the guy that everyone – he was fantastic when he uh, played a little bit as a freshman. He, it's, he sort of harkened back to the Ray Maluga types, just sort of a, a you know, a skull cracker and been a linebacker. Um, and then the secondary is really young. So they held up nicely last week. Um, but I think some of these teams are going to test them more as we go on. Uh, Stanford just doesn't have a lot of great wideouts. Uh, Fresno State was breaking in a new quarterback – so we'll see. I think the BYU quarterback is very talented. I think they uh, and mobile and USC struggled with the mobility of Fresno State's quarterback in the opener. Um, so you know every every week's going to be a test. And then certainly when 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 the Trojans see Utah in a week, uh, Utah's a, a complete football team. So that'll be that'll be a great test. Um, but in terms of what the defense has shown so far, Saturday was interesting because Stanford dominated for a quarter and a half. Dominated four possessions. Four scores, you know, two touchdowns, two field goals, um, controlled the line of scrimmage, and then all of a sudden the defense shut the water off and, and held them scoreless the rest of the way, and, and USC went on a, a 35-0 run. So um, it, it's it's early. It's a little early to sort of know exactly what we're dealing with, um, but but they, they showed some great signs in the second half on Saturday. Jordan, you mentioned uh, doing the show with Clay Helton. How's he holding up? Because it seems like everybody had him at the top of the hot seat, coaching yeah. hot seat before this season started. And is he uh, is he pretty calm about the whole thing, or is he a nervous wreck and just hides it? He's uh, he's pretty calm. I mean, what 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 has put him in this position in his life is that he is a consistent, stable leader. I mean, that is really his greatest strength as a coach. And the reason that he has this job is because the two guys before him at USC were not that. Um, they were talented offensive minds and talented coaches, but they didn't bring the stability needed to run a program of this size. And, and that's what he has done well. And he's backed off this year, which I think has really helped in terms of the X's and O's, Take, taking a little pressure off of himself to also be that brilliant offensive mind, given that to Graham Harrell. Let's Clancy Pendergast run the defense, and he's focused on the discipline and, and trying to you know sort of get the swagger back and the culture back at, at SC, which was really beaten out of him last year in that five and seven season. And you know he ne- he certainly never talks about job security, security or the hot seat or any of that stuff. Um, obviously, you know, like any other coach, he'll he'll say you know you can only control what you can control. And I think he he knows he has a great opportunity. He can they have this really brutal schedule, but if he wins all these games or if he wins a lot of them, you know who's going to take his job from him? No one. So you know, I think as a coach, you just look at it, it's right all out in front of you. You have a, a great opportunity. You win the games and and you know let it, let other people talk. Jordan, take us through the Lynn Swan drama that culminated with his resignation yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much we know. I mean, I think, um, obviously, again, much like the Clay Helton situation, you saw a million articles swirling of, of 
this being pending news. So in that sense, it didn't really surprise anyone. I think the only thing that was surprising was the timing of it. Um, and, you know, the, coming off such a, a, a great win for football. And, and you know, again, I mean, the president didn't, didn't really put any um, fine point on, on, on what happened. And, and uh, you know, Lynn Swan, um, you know, obviously I'll only put out, you know, simply the, the resignation letter. So, you know, we don't know. I, I think the, the only lesson I would put out there, the, the thing that stands out to me, um, is I think particularly in a professional town, you guys are a professional sports town as well, is that I think the fans get caught up thinking that the athletic director is the football GM, and I, I think this sort of point was made yesterday, or at least in terms of the timing, that it's not about wins and losses on the football field when you're running an athletic department. There's so much more that goes into it. He's got 20, you know, there's 21 sports, um, all these employees, you know, a university that you're a part of. So, you know, it's just a bigger job. So Clay Helton will, will be judged by wins and losses. Um, and the athletic director, and as they, you know, they brought in a, a great guy that we know, Dave Roberts, to be the interim. Um, and then whoever they go out and, and, and fill it with, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a bigger job than just, okay, you play great against Stanford on Saturday, so everything's fine. So I think that, I think that that's sort of the part that, that people are getting confused with the timing because so many fans just think that football is all that matters. You said you didn't know that much about BYU. What do you make of the USC-Utah matchup? I mean, obviously the Utes were picked to win the conference. Uh, how do you think that thing will go when those two meet on Friday night, well, a week from Friday? Yeah, I've been talking about um, that game for a while now, and it's it, the thing that stands out to me is everyone sort of agreed that Utah, I mean, Utah was the sort of Pac-12 favorite uh, coming out of, of media day, and then certainly the favorite in the South. And uh, I wouldn't argue that at all, uh, but only to say that I really like whoever wins that game's chances to win the South because of the, the value of the tiebreaker. I don't think USC has a very good chance of winning the South if they lose that game. But if USC wins it, um, you know, it puts Utah behind things. Um, so they're going to need USC to lose, but and they're also going to need to be pretty clean the rest of the way. So And, and Utah's tough game. So, you know, I, I just think a lot of it comes down to that game. Utah has not... Uh, fared very well in the Coliseum. USC has also failed, uh, fared poorly in Salt Lake City. So home field advantage has been a ton in this series. Utah joined the Pac-12. Um, but I'll, I'll be interested to see. It'll be a test of the line of scrimmage for me. That's what it always comes down to. Kyle Whittingham's teams are always good offensive and defensive line, and that's where USC has faltered at times going up against uh, – better opponents so the trojans are always there it's, it's skill positions and and the you know the same is certainly true this year but yeah big games are won at the line of scrimmage and and that'll be where that game is won jordan uh this this is totally switching gears real quick but since you're from california i wanted to ask your mm-hmm. take or at least to, you know, if you can kind of tell us what this legislation is that has passed through the the legislature there in california talking about players making money off their own likeness yeah yeah, uh, it's. I was just talking about it today that I think that this is a massive deal that not enough people are talking about. I, I think it's going to put the NCA to the to the test, to the, to the sword a little bit, and, and they're going to have to figure out how to handle it because I don't think you can have college athletics without California. Um, and I'm not sure the California teams will have any choice. So and I, I don't know enough about the law. I don't know if I don't know if the NCA could 
sue the state of California or something like that. But if they can, I mean, all you're talking about is simply that, that that student athletes will have the ability to, to trade their name and likeness, which is something that I've been a proponent of for years. Um, because you know, all the solutions, all the you know, when people talk about oh, players should be paid and and whatnot, I, I I just don't think that's nearly as feasible as people think it is. Because with Title IX, you'd have to play pay the men's sports equally to the women's sports, and there just isn't enough money. And what's going to just end up happening is sports will get cut, and I think that's the worst solution. So. I really hope that doesn't happen, but this to me rewards the celebrity college athlete. And, you know, if, if Nike wants to come in and, um, you know, sign Zach Moss before he leaves Utah, then what's wrong with it? I don't see, I don't see who's getting hurt there. The school's not involved. Um, but I think that's the scenario you're talking about is that, you know, the Sam Darnolds of the world, while they're still in college, the Zion Williamson's, you know they 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 can be celebrity endorsers and and they can, they can have uh, be rewarded for you know what they're doing for these schools, which is you know packing stadiums and arenas. So I, I fully understand that part of it. Um, and then you know your third string center probably doesn't make a lot of money you know doing it that way, and and he gets the value of of the scholarship, which is which is a lot at these schools. So. I think that it's probably the best solution, but you know the NCAA doesn't seem to think so. So I, I, like you guys, will just be waiting to see how they handle it. Yeah, it's like you said, something's got to give here, uh, and yep. uh, you know, one side or the other's going to have to back down. And the thing that really stood out to me in that voting was it was darn near unanimous. Uh, yep. I mean, there's no question that this is the way those lawmakers feel is the right thing to do. So who knows? Maybe the NCAA will back away and allow allow this to be the case uh, all across the board? Well, it shouldn't hurt. I mean, you know, what, what do I know? But it, it, to me, I, I don't think it, it attacks their bottom line either. So to me, it does seem like the best solution, you know, as opposed to, you know, some of the other things we've seen over the years when, like, the Northwestern guys were trying to unionize and, and all the rest of that. Like, those kind of things would, would just completely destroy the model that the NCAA has created, and I'm sure lots of people want that to be the case, but this does seem like a way for the NCAA to survive while also, you know, acknowledging the, the, the changing sort of market uh, that, that we've seen in college athletics where, where these, these athletes are stars and there's being a lot of, a lot of money is being made on their backs. And, uh, you know, this is a way for them to get a piece of that. Jordan, thank you as always for a few moments. We really appreciate the insight. Happy to do it. It sounds like it's going to be a beautiful day on Saturday in Utah. I'm looking forward to it. All right. We'll see you here. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. That's Jordan Moore. He does sidelines for the USC broadcast, also does some social media work for them uh, as well. We'll have more coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.